Hi, this is Braden Holpe. Hey, this is Tanner the Bulldozer Bozer. Hi, this is Brian Burke from Toronto, Ontario. This is Daryl Sutter. Hello, everyone. I'm Carly Agro from Sportsnet Central. This is Jay Onright. This is Quick Dick Quick Dick coming to you from Tufnell, Saskatchewan. Hey, everybody. My name is Theo Fleury. This is Kelly Rudy. This is Corey Cross. This is Wade Redden. This is Jordan Tutu. My name is Jim Patterson. Hey, it's Ron McLean, HockeyNet in Canada and Rogers Hometown Hockey, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. we got another great one on tap for you today, but before we get there, let's hop on to our episode sponsors. Foremost, they're offering smooth wall grain bins, hopper bottoms, and fuel tanks. They're in stock and manufactured locally. They want to ensure you know they are constructed of the highest quality and engineered for a long life. Delivery is free within 300 kilometers of Lloydminster. You can buy at any of their co-op locations, Lloydminster, Lashburn, or Neilberg. For more information, you can check them out on their website, foremost.ca. Jen Gilbert and team want you to know for over 40 years, since 1976, the dedicated realtors of Coldwell Banker, Cityside Realty, have served Lloydminster and the surrounding area. They're passionate about our community, and they pride themselves on giving back through volunteer opportunities and partnerships as often as they can. We know that home is truly where awesomeness happens. Coldwell Banker, Cityside Realty for everything real estate, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Give them a call, 780-875-3343. Clay Smiley and Profit River. Profit River is a retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories serving all of Canada. They specialize in importing firearms from the United States, hard-to-find calibers, rare firearms, special editions. Check them out at ProfitRiver.com today. Special thanks to Lloydminster Archives for these episodes uh, being released every second Friday currently for the rest of 2020. Um, Shout out to Lynn Smith who helps uh, tirelessly behind the scenes help line up these guests so they can get them in and and get their stories uh, recorded and and, and out to you guys. It's been a lot of fun and they've uh, they're making the the process extremely easy if you're heading into any of the businesses i've mentioned on today's episode or any of the episodes prior to this make sure you let them know you heard about them on the podcast and if you're interested in advertising on the show visit seannewmanpodcast.com in the top right corner hit the contact button and send me your information maybe a little blurb about what you're looking for we got lots of different options and i want to find something that can work for the both of us now let's get on to your t-bar one tale of the tape Wayne was born in 1942 near Punakai, Saskatchewan. Barbara was born in 1948 near Glaslin, Saskatchewan. Together they've been married for 52 years with five children. They moved to Lloydminster in 1978, and in 1986, Rustway Construction was formed. Together they've been a huge, huge community supporter, with projects such as the Rustway Arena, keeping the Bobcats in Lloydminster, Chuck Wagons, Border Kings. I think you get the picture. I'm talking about Wayne and Barbara Russell. So buckle up. Here we go. It is September 24th, 2020. I'm sitting with Wayne and Barbara Russell. So first off, thanks for uh, allowing me the opportunity to sit down with you and talk a little bit bit about your life. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I guess where I want to start is when you look back at your life so far, um, what is maybe one of the earliest memories you have uh, with Wayne, you being 78, 
Barbie being 72, you've both lived a lot longer than I have. And I was mentioning that before we started recording. And so I'm curious on what maybe your first memories back when you were young uh, were, and maybe a little bit about what life was like um, where you grew up and talk maybe a little bit about that. We'll start there. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was brought up in a rural area farm. My dad had only, uh, I think it was a half section of land. And uh, we were uh, half a mile from school, uh, the rural school. And uh, so we uh, used to walk there every day. And uh, mom was the janitor of the school. And it didn't matter whether it was 30 or we had to light the fire. Like there was no, f uh, the fire never stayed on overnight. It was all wood, eh, or coal. And uh, it was cold in that place some mornings, eh. And then we had to go down another half mile to get a pail of water, drinking water, because there was no drinking water at the school. And uh, so mom had that for quite a few years. And we, uh, my brother and I, I got a brother younger than me, one year younger. We used to walk, take turns walking down there to get this pail of water and stuff. Eh? So, but it was, it, we, uh, I remember dad and a bunch of the guys, they flooded the rink outside by a team of horses and uh, water barrels, eh? and they'd flood the ice eh, for us to skate because uh, there was no, nothing indoor out there at those times. And the, so uh, we give us an opportunity to, uh, do a little skating and stuff like that. When the, the ponds were froze over, we did a lot of skating on them and stuff, eh? But it was, yeah, crazy times. When you talk about uh, your mom being the caretaker and you having to uh, stoke the fire every morning and go get this pail of water. So, you know, my brother and I were talking about this actually the other day. Um, there had to have been days where, you know, it was a nice summer day like this and you're going to get water and it ain't so bad and you're kind of happy and whatever, you got a little bit of water and, and you walk back. But there had to have been days where it was like minus 30 and you're rolling down there to try and get a pail of water. And that couldn't have been that much fun. No, that's for sure. It was uh, to even walk that, you know, that extra half a mile from when you come from school and there was no heat on the school and we got there. So we grabbed the pail and the way we go down to the neighbor's and get a pail of water because they had good drinking water. And a matter of fact, we used to use the water at home, the same well. And uh, as yeah, your, as your neighbors. Yeah. So you and your neighbors shared a well. Yeah. Well, we yeah we got the water right from the neighbors. Yep. Yeah. What type What type of well was it? Was it like a a hand pump? Hand well? pump. Yeah, hand pump. And uh, we had one at home where we watered the cows, and it was a hand pump, too. And I tell you, them, I can still remember them old Holstein cows. They'd take one slurp, and the pail was gone, eh? you know? <laughs> it was, uh, but uh, yeah, that was good drinking water. This one at home was alkali, and yeah. you know, we couldn't use it for drinking, eh? So it is pretty precious there that you save the water when you, you know, you go down and get this stuff. And <laughs> did, did the pail have a lid on it? No, just a straight. Uh, so now I got to even take it one step further. In minus 30. Yeah. How old are you at this time? Now? No, at, 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 this, the, oh, the, at the time of hauling uh, these pails, how old are you? We would be, I don't know, probably 
12, 13, you know, in that age. Okay, so you're a 12-year-old kid walking an extra mile, half mile there, half mile back. Yeah. And on the half mile back, you have to balance an open pail of water and not splash it everywhere. Yeah, that's right. You were pretty careful how you carried it because you wanted to get back there with a little water in it. (laughs) You probably learned that lesson early on, I bet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Mom... She couldn't do it, and Dad, uh, he had other things to do, so it was good exercise for us, and that's for sure, yep. How about how about stoking the, uh, lighting the fire? Yeah. So that's the first thing you did when you walked in the yeah, school? Yeah, that was it. Uh, we got into trouble a few times. Uh, we took brought in some uh, gasoline or from Pops we took, eh, and we get the fire going real good, eh, <laughs> or used oil or whatever, eh, we threw in there. One of the neighbors, they lived about two miles away. We figured the school was burning down one day. Because of the black smoke or whatever yeah. coming out of the chimney. Yeah. Yeah, she was smoking pretty good. Eh? So, in those days, if you got in trouble for putting said things in the fire, what was the repercussion? Oh, they um, made you stand in the corner sometimes, the teacher or the, you know, or whatever, eh? you know. Yeah, one time we were, I think we ran and, at recess time, we went to the neighbors and we had a straw pile. We never got back to school in time, eh? And we, I remember standing in the corner and writing out a 200 lines of something, eh? I will not do this again, I will not do this again, or whatever, eh? Yeah. So, uh... Did you ever have a day where you just went in and you're like, you know what, I don't feel like lighting the fire. Or I don't feel like going to get the pail of water because it's a blizzard outside and nobody needs yeah. we're gonna just no i'm not doing it yeah well there yeah and uh well at least there was two of us eh? we could uh in the bad days i used to tell my brother if it was too cold you be it's your turn eh? <laughs> <laughs> he was younger than me <laughs> no I, I, I think we uh because you had to have water you know you had to get the water there and stuff eh so you bring this pail of water does it just did you have something you put it in like yeah we had a oh a suspense uh what do you call them uh, with the tap on it eh? you know uh see there wasn't very many kids i think there would be maybe 15 16 kids eh? yeah so you didn't need a great amount of water but you had to have water and uh yeah we put it in that uh what a what did you call it with a it was a yeah a two gallon thing with a, a little pump on pump it, kind on of it thing. yeah well with a tap on it eh? yeah it. yeah and people put, right now are listening to this laughing at me for sticking so long on the on the pail of water i just i find it interesting you know fast forward to today and you know kids get their backpack on and go to school and play on tablets and read and you know, mm-hmm. I, I I don't even know what punishment is anymore for a student and parents. You know, my kids are too young. They're they're about to be in school. But just it's very interesting to hear the differences from 70 years ago to now. That's, yeah, that's right. And a pail of water. Now, you, I mean, think of how much water people waste by just flicking on the kitchen sink and letting it heat up or cool down or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and back then, you think just to go get a pail of water for school every day. 
And I can relate to, to the water business. My, um, growing up on the farm north of Glossland here, um, my mom and dad boarded a couple of my cousins that, that lived further south. And um, the one cousin, dad sent him out to get a pail of water to, from the well, to, because that's what we did to, to have drinking water in the house before the power too. And he let the whole pail, rope, everything go down into the well. So my dad was not very impressed because then you had to somehow retrieve the pail and the rope that was supposed to bring the water out of there to, to come to the house. So your guys as well was an actual drop down a, a pail and then pull it back up? The original one, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have running water in, in our house at the farm till, well, very late, uh, 65 or somewhere around there. Then we had running water in the house. So what did you do for, well, let's start with something we all take for granted off the top of my head is every morning you get up and have a shower. Maybe you're like my parents and they enjoy a good bath at night. But what did you guys do for a shower, well, a bath, I assume? Well, we, we never uh, had a, bra a bath every night. I remember when the kids, and and we all used the same water. We'd heat that water up in a little, you know, the tub, and uh, we would uh, take turns getting in and and uh, get your bath. And But it wasn't every night either. It was, we went, you know, maybe two or three days without having a bath. You know, just kind of wipe yourself off or with some water or whatever, but... <laughs> yeah, it was the same. Yeah, like we had the big round tub and and like I don't even know. I can't even think about my older brother who is 86 and my sister and brother who will be um, will be uh, 82 their next birthdays. But like I, I don't know how they bathed because I was quite a bit younger than them. But I remember bathing in that little round tub. That's how, that's how we bathed. I'm just... My brain immediately goes to so multiple people using the same water. Yep. Did it ever at any point bother any of you? No. We didn't know any different. How there wasn't you, there wasn't any other choice. How did you heat up the water? On the cook stove. Cook in, stove, yeah. In pots or whatever. Pots. Uh, how long? I feel like this process must have taken a little bit of time. Oh yeah. Well, you get her the water heated up before you. The first one goes to bath and. You know, then add a little bit warmer for the for the next guy down the way or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, just think of it with Wayne with seven of them home all at once. That must have been quite the experience for sure. And don't pee in the bathtub, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Was there an order to who went? I I think the girls had to go first, eh? And then the, at home, I had uh, two brothers. And four sisters, so they, uh, I think it was... Uh, girls first, girls. and then... Yeah. Yeah, mom would have that all arranged, kind of... Uh, How about your parents? When did they bath? You know, I think <laughs> probably every week, eh, or something. I don't know. I can't remember that part uh, much, but... Uh, yeah, I don't remember mom and dad bathing either. That was probably after we went to bed or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. What did you guys grow up in for a house? How, how you know, we're sitting in your absolutely gorgeous log house like this is a beautiful spot what uh growing up maybe paint a picture of what the 
the houses looked like or what you grew up in? Well, the house that we had, I don't know how many square feet it was, but it was just two rooms and one bedroom. And there were seven... Seven kids and two parents. parents. Yeah, my dad, like, the, there was a, a hole in the floor and the furnace was down just in a little, no concrete deal, but dug out by hand, like, you know, with the... Uh, where the furnace was, eh? And we get that going, you put a chunk of coal on there, which it, some days it lasted till, you know, whatever, eh? But uh, yeah, it was a cold old house. Oh, well, matter of fact, you could almost look through it. It was a, it was a what do you call it, shipwreck, uh, you know, like. Uh, yeah, there was, there was seams in it. Yeah. And let the air through. Yeah. And you'd look, you know, and it would, uh, we'd go out and uh, we'd butt them up. We'd put, uh, lath on them and the lath that we used was willows eh put it so you could put the mud in there and hold the hold the thing up but oh it was cold I, mom used to put irons in our bed eh you know the, you know the old irons hand iron and put it in a paper bag or something like that and we left our socks on and most of that you know like but oh, it was a cold building I think yours was the same way. Yeah, it wasn't. But we had uh, ours was a little two story. Well, your your later home was was a bit different too. Like when you yeah I left never... home. But our the little home that I grew up in seems little now. When we it's still kind of standing at the farm, but there were two bedrooms upstairs, and then mom and dad had a bedroom downstairs, and um, it was yeah not that big, and mom would. At Christmas time or Thanksgiving, when when all of us kids would go home with our little ones, there were the twenty three people eating around a kitchen table that was half the size of this one. And do you ever miss those times? They were good times. Yeah, we had some good times for sure. And I I uh, I know that we have good times here when our kids come, but it's certainly a different thing altogether now than than it would have been then. I, I just think. Uh... Well, you guys have seen this transformation in our area. I mean, you can, it, it definitely doesn't translate to the entire world by any stretch of the imagination, but just think of our, our area or North America and, uh, a house now is, well, is a, is a big unit. Everybody has their own bedroom and it's almost odd to have children in the same bedrooms no, as their yeah, siblings. I don't know that there's, there's hardly any, any little like families growing up now that that don't all have their it seems own to space. be a requirement to to have your own space yeah what was what was seven children and two parents uh multiple beds one giant bed one uh well i know the kids all had giant bed eh you know and everybody slept in there and uh trying to keep warm that was the biggest thing and uh Jay, uh, yeah, I remember some, and you know what? We got a lot colder nights and days back then than what we do now. It seemed like, eh? You know, like the them, Jesus, and the wind would blow, and the, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was quite an experience. But we, uh, it, we often talked about that, that, what the parents, you know, had to do. We had to sometimes going to the barn in the winter time we to milk the cows eh? and it was dark and the snow would be blowing you had to have a 
a line, and all we had was a coal lantern, eh? And we had one of them uh, lamps that had two mantles on it and hang it up, and that's all the lights we had, eh? You know, in the house, eh? And, uh, yeah, so you went to bed fairly early. I guess that's... But it was uh, quite an experience anyway. What did, what did you both do for entertainment growing up? Well, myself, we, uh, like I said, we used to flood the rink at the school, right. small rink with yep. boards on it, and we played a lot of hockey. And we were right close to uh, the, an Indian reserve there, and they used to come over and play hockey with us and do whatever too, eh? But we had to flood the ice, go down to a slough and cut a hole in the ice and buy water barrels and haul it, put it on a stone boat, they called, eh? And Dad and oh, a lot of the parents would come and flood the ice and uh, good for another week, eh? What is a stone boat? Stone boat is uh, what they haul the manure on, eh? You know, like uh, whatever, it had little skis on it or uh, just on a poles, eh? And then you'd nail the thing up and hook two horses to it, eh? That's what we used to haul the uh, manure. And, that's, and, that, and then that's how you'd flood the ice? Yeah, put the barrels in on there and... Way we go down to the slough and back. And Would the horses pull it down and back? Oh, yeah. Would they pull it along the ice? Uh, just, yeah, to the ice. To the ice, and then you'd yeah. unhook them and... Yeah, we, uh, well, we just leave them there and and uh, watch they didn't run away, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Barb? What, what did you do growing up for fun? Well, it was... Uh, I remember quite often uh, my mom's sister and uh, and her husband coming down and... and uh, cold winter nights like we would uh, they'd play they played cards a lot and pull taffy we'd make pull taffy in the winter time and pull uh, taffy yeah my aunt hazel was a, was a great person for for making homemade candy and whatever and yeah you'd you'd make this okay taffy and pull it and then you'd cut it with the scissors and then they just like the taffy that the macintosh taffy the taffy that you get now but it was homemade right and um, yeah, families got together. My mom was was a one of eleven, so there were a few oh. few families around to to visit with and cousins to play with and what. And then my dad too. He was the oldest of five, and his one sister, her kids, and like their daughter and I and and a cousin in town were we were close and we we got together quite a bit. Did you ever ask your parents why they had such large families? Like, did you ever? discuss such things <laughs> no. no not much i think we used to say that the lights were out or it was dark too much eh? like you had no power yet <laughs> so you had to do something you had to do something <laughs> and you're trying to stay warm yeah yeah it was uh quite an experience anyway that's for sure we just have to we didn't have no inside toilet we had to go out to the didn't matter whether it was 30 below or 10 below yeah. or whatever, we went out there with the, the Eaton's catalog, eh? Yeah, because it was toilet paper was scarce as well. I, I, I heard maybe that uh, <laughs> what the oranges, the tissue paper, the pains talked about that on yeah. when I sat down with them. It was quite a delight to If have you them. were lucky enough to get a box of oranges at Christmas time to, to have that paper. Like I remember my mom getting uh, in the fall getting the, the big box of um, Macintosh apples. Yeah. Because like northern Saskatchewan, like we're thinking, 
it, it, this is a little bit different now because you didn't always have this stuff available in the stores. So when it came, you were pretty happy to, to get something like that. What do you two think of what's going on currently then? Right? Like there was pandemonium because there wasn't enough toilet paper. Uh, yeah, you oh. remember a time where... There wasn't such a thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's right. And there wasn't, you know, like somebody that was... The school, that was one thing, you know, and to keep toilet paper in there and kids taking it home and whatever else and the, and the janitors burning it in the... In the fire to get, try to get it going. <laughs> Actual toilet paper? Yeah. I. You know what? I, I can't remember. I know there was some toilet paper, but I don't know whether paper. that's all. I don't remember toilet paper <laughs> when you think of it now. I really don't. <laughs> like until later years. And like you talk about, um, you, we've discussed this over um, getting to town. Like he was 12 miles from town. I was only a half a mile from town. But they didn't get to town very often. To, to do any shopping like that was the they the only were time we got to town maybe if we talked dad and if it was a nice day like they used to take a team of horses and a wagon box eh yeah. you know the old wagon yeah box and absolutely and what you did was phone all the neighbors right in that area after what they wanted and then they'd tell you what they wanted because half of the time we didn't have phones or uh, nothing either like uh, power lines would be down or uh, telephone poles and stuff like that and but we'd go to town once in a while, but I, I can't even remember when that we went to town because it was a long ride. By the time you went to town, 12 miles, you had to put the horses away in the livery barn or li what do they call it? Livery stable. Livery stable. And uh, yeah, dad used to go and then they had to uh, deliver this stuff after he got back home, like you delivered it to the neighbors and whatever. And if you wanted a bag of flour here, and whatever right so when you went to town it was a special event and you told your neighbors so that if they needed something you'd pick it up for them. yeah because that, it was an event to go yeah and because uh, some of the neighbors you know, older getting older and whatever too eh? but uh i remember dad going quite a few times for the neighbors and delivering it and but we didn't we didn't know what town was hardly you know it's just in the early goings. Did you have community events then? Like yep. where you get together for a dance or? Yeah. We used a, to have that. A pie fall social. supper. Or, yep. Oh, pie social. Okay. Yeah. Box. What do they call box it? Box social. Box yeah. social. Well, uh, what's a box social? Well, just the same thing. Like a, it's a box that they wrapped up and what, whatever was in it that you got. That's hey, what, you you don't did. <laughs> yeah. what did you get? Do you remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. We... Uh, you get it uh, usually food or something, eh? Yeah, it was uh, quite the deal. You didn't know whose you were getting or whatever, but and I don't <laughs> know what they <laughs> what they paid for them, but uh, you they bid them off or you, they kind of auctioned them off, eh? And uh, talk about Mrs. Roselle. Yeah, Mrs. Roselle, uh, our neighbor. I shouldn't talk about the great old soul, but she had she had. Uh, Hockey pucks, we used to call them when she made them buns, eh? <laughs> Closer to. So, you probably missed that, did you? No, no, no. And Carry then, on. Sorry. But we, uh, she was uh, quite the cook, eh? You know, like she, uh, 
and they had a bunch of kids and uh, they they had turkeys and they had chickens and they had everything else in the house eh? <laughs> sitting beside your saddles sitting beside you <laughs> well you talk about they would go there nice lady but not a not a the normal um his mother and, and a lot of the late, late, well, women back then, that's all they did was bake and cook and whatever. But poor Winnie, she just uh, was not uh, not inclined to be that way. And they would go down to their place for a meal and, and end up bringing the buns home to play hockey with because they were <laughs> so hard they couldn't eat them or whatever. So. Yeah, and we used to, talking about... So you used the buns as hockey pucks. Hockey pucks, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But they, uh, we used to go down there. They were good, uh, great friends of ours, uh, the boys. Like, we used to go down. They had a, a, what do you call it, a bunkhouse. And they'd light that thing up, and we'd play cards there till what hour of the morning, eh? And uh, then I can still remember that walk. You go walking in that home, that half a mile or whatever it was, that crunch, 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 you know, like. And uh, that was my brother and I. And we weren't very old at the time either, you know, like. Um, but you know, the parents did not worry about the kids as much as they do now. Eh? Like uh, I remember, we used to go trapping rats, say eh? muskrats, say, eh? with one horse on a on a buggy that we had made, a eh? kind of a sleigh, eh? and uh, God would be all over and uh, fell through the ice a few times. My brother was chasing a rat in the middle of the deal and fell down. You know, it's stuff like that, eh? But uh, Mom and Dad didn't seem to ever worry about us, but did uh, I assume when you're walking home late at night like that? Uh, was there a candle in the window then? Is no, that something you guys did? No, no candle. Just uh, we knew where we we're going, eh? And uh, matter of fact, we never had a flashlight or anything, eh? So kind of knew where we we're going, and well, we did know where we we're going, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we had, uh, oh, we had winter roads. Sometimes uh, the roads would completely drift in on the, like, say, a grid road, not a grid, but just kind of an old trail. And then they cut in the bush, they'd cut a road and uh, where we used it for uh, horses and whatever else in the wintertime because you go down this other road, it was, oh, it was up to the telephone lines, eh, pretty well, eh? But uh, there was that much snow. Yeah, it would drift, eh? You know. Yeah. Yeah, we used to go down there, and when then us crazy kids, we tunnel into these things, you know, like as only a good kid would. I yeah, mean. you know, we go in there and we tunnel. We had tunnels all the way through these big drifts, eh? And, oh, geez, the kids did that nowadays. You'd be pretty upset about things, I think, eh? You know, you, we could have got buried. And you never knew where you were. Yeah. How about you, Barb, growing up? You know, y you you have a little different story because you grew up so close to Glaslyn. And so I, I, I don't know. What what was in town? Uh, there was a school? What what else? The school and the, and the grocery store. And I remember, <clears throat> I have a very fond memory of drugstore. Like the lady was not a, a pharmacist as we know now. But it was, she was, it was the telephone office. And she had the neatest little store with um, gifty things. I, and my 
a cousin's wife was the telephone operator. I remember way back when, and she like because there there were no telephones, so like around, she would answer the and give messages here, there, and everywhere. Um, but this little telephone office in the corner, and then the little gift store, and so that was one thing. And butcher shop. Um, another my brother's uh, buddy in school, his mom and dad had the butcher shop. And used to go in there and watch this lady cut cut meat, and you could go in there and buy buy meat, and yeah. So there was there. Yeah, there were two nice grocery stores, and and the butcher shop, and the the little telephone office with the little gift store, and um, obviously post office cafe. There was always a cafe, and a, a theater. Um, a, a movie a theater. A, a, yeah, town hall with a with theater after, like as I got a bit older like as a teenager you could go to movies what was the first movie you ever saw oh boy I don't even remember I couldn't tell you this little telephone office you said that there was your cousin would yeah. work there my cousin's wife yeah and but there was no it wasn't like a switchboard where she's switching it, it was like they call into her and leave a message for you yeah well there were some people that had phones that she could connect could connect to but like i remember um my mom when when my brother had his um, first boy 50 years ago tim turned 50 in may but uh, they lived in kindersley and dad phoned to glassland to the to the telephone office and then gave the message for mom and dad because they didn't have a phone. And then mom came down to the to town and, and phoned us from that telephone office to let us know about this little guy that had, had arrived, uh, my nephew. And right. that, that's only 50 years ago. So, Yeah, we had uh, one of the ones that hung on the wall, eh? Telephone. Yeah. And our ring was six short rings, eh? And... and uh, we used to get a kick out of my dad. He'd be talking to his buds sometimes at night or whatever, and uh, he would uh, said that uh, this one gal she always rubbernecked. They called it a rubberneck. Uh, she'd be listening on the line, eh? And uh, when the boys were finished, they said good night to each other, and she t speaks up and says good night, guys. <laughs> so she was listening on the phone all the time, eh? You know. Yeah, they were on the party line. But whatever. Six six so if the phone rang it rang in everybody's houses? Yes. So everybody had their amount of rings for what? Yeah. yeah. Like if it rang that many times that was that was Wilf Russell's getting a phone call, but if it ran had another ring then that would be another many, farmer many, down the way. How many people on the group line? Ooh, there must have been I don't know, fifteen maybe. So if somebody was getting fifteen rings? Uh, no, like there'd be two long, or oh, one long, okay. two short. You know, you had to know your number, how they, how <laughs> you, you had to pay it. attention. Yeah, you had to pay attention. But how many rings was that? Yeah. But given that, I'm I'm sure that like we know how much we use phones right now. I I would venture a guess that that phone didn't ring very often, even you no, know, because they phoned when it was necessary to phone somebody, usually, right? They didn't just phone just just because, not not like we're always on our phones. Yeah, you bring bring up the phone. What in your guys's life's lifetime? What is maybe one of the biggest things that sticks out to you? 
technology-wise. That is just, you know, you talk about the cold nights. Well, you don't got any cold nights anymore. No, they, it doesn't seem that way anyway. Uh, yeah, we used to get some... You, you talk about the distance of traveling to town, and that being you had to pick the right day. And now, I mean, we drive through pretty much anything out here, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it's got to be really bad. And those days do come, but they're few and far between. And you just hop in the vehicle, and it's warm, and it drives, and you can go pretty much anywhere. You got roads everywhere that are, you know, I'm assuming back then, and the horse and the team, you didn't have a nice paved road taking you to town. No, no, it was a... Just a built up trail. trail. <clears throat> like the cars used to run on it in the summertime, but Dad, he never, after a certain length or a certain time, he would park the car and he wouldn't use it. Eh? And just the horses in the wintertime, because he couldn't start them, no block heaters and stuff like that, eh? Yeah. So it was a little bit different for me because I lived just, uh, what, what are we, not even an eighth of a mile. From, from our farmhouse to the highway number four. So there was always like a, a good grid highway very yeah. close to me. I wasn't uh, in those days of, of being back in the, the boonies that you couldn't get out. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, you know, the 12 miles seemed like a long time. I know, I think I only went like with dad maybe once or twice, maybe not even that. Uh, and uh, holy man, you get in there. Sticking your tongue on the, you know, we used to have a, a steel railing. I don't know, I guess it was for to protect the boards, eh? You know, when you put the stuff in. Us kids used to put our tongues on there and then try to get it off after, eh? <laughs> like it took skin and everything off. <laughs> well, so it was quite that. But, you know, it was, we all seemed to get along, uh, had a lot of fun, I guess, uh, as kids growing up too, eh? And we made it. Here we are. Well, I'll go, and I'll go back to the original question then. So what over your, when you look back over the past seven decades, what is, what is maybe one of the things that you just go, I remember when. Yeah. I, I well, there was quite a few things, I guess. A guy, uh, like ta uh, trapping. We used to do it like my brother and I we were very young and dad showed us how to skin muskrats and, Mom, she would even let us skin right in the house, eh? They had a, we'd hammer a nail in the, in the ceiling, put a string down, and then, because the lighting was no good either. When we came back, it could be late, you know, and dark, and uh, we'd bring these rats in, and we had to skin them. So we'd hammer a nail, or was a nail there, and Mom never said nothing. She said, oh, go ahead, eh? you know, like that. What would you get for uh, a muskrat? Oh, I, at them times, I think it was about uh, two to three bucks, somewhere in there. That was, Decent, that was pretty good money, then. That would be pretty good. I, I don't know when they're earlier, but I know what we were getting. And then it went, I remember getting $5, some of the muskrats, say, eh? But uh, maybe it wasn't that much, eh? But it was something Did, that, another thing we had, uh, Seneca root. Dad you showed us how to pick that stuff and bag it. Uh, pick what? Seneca root. It was a root, a medicine that they used. They were kind of a, they dug it out of the ground and then you would take it into town with, uh, uh, we used to get so much money for uh, crows, eh? Legs. For a crow's leg? Yeah, cr you would, because if you killed these, there was so much of them, gopher legs and tails too, oh, eh? Okay. 
and uh, we used to put them in a bag and then let them heat up a little bit so the guy didn't count them on us, hey, and we just he'd say, well, there's a 50 or 75 in there, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go, back, go back to this plant. So you would pick this plant. The crow thing is funny. Yep. But I've heard, I've heard, I've heard about all of them. Crow is new, but this this plant, this this root that I've never heard of this one before. No, that. So you dig it up and then take it into the. Yeah, and dry it. You had to dry it and then take it into town, and they, they used to buy it at a certain amount of money. Eh. Well, I know that the uh, in my. I remember um, Joe Moccasin. Joe Moccasin and his wife lived up at Birch Lake Indian Reserve, and he worked, he picked stones and whatever for my dad. But Seneca root was, was something that, that they, they made like um, a herbal, like a, a medicine. And it, it, they did actually, like they boil it up or whatever and, and make kind of a medicine tea out of it or whatever. So if I have a cold, I go get some Seneca root? Yeah. And you go to the store and, and buy it, and then you put it in a tea right. and drink it? Or was it, is, is that kind of the idea? Didn't yeah. we have to ship it away somewhere? You know, I don't think anybody, like I know I that. I don't know, once we got, I don't know what they did with it, but uh, I think mom used to put something in the uh, rat root. That's another one. A, uh, it's, uh, there's a gal up here just north of Glossland. I was uh, I had some cattle there on the land and she's make she she's when I got the stuff for you I had a cold one day and I got the real stuff for you I said what is it rat root I never seen it yet but she said she'll get me some eh but I don't know what that'd be like either <laughs> <laughs> but there was a lot of well people couldn't get uh, you know to a doctor or a lot of places eh so you had to be self sufficient yeah and uh I know that. If you're real sick, the bombardier used to come. I got one of them old bombardiers here. Bought it at Beauvel, Saskatchewan. And I fixed it all up and everything. But that's what they had back then. The telephone guy had it. Like if there was a problem with the telephones or people got sick, they'd come out and get you and take you to a hospital or whatever. Bombardier? Bombardier. It's got uh, tracks on it and uh, two skis on the front. Okay. So like a like a skidoo? Yeah. But big. That's good. Like it's a caboose with skis on it is what it is. Like it's a. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the motor in the back. And. Uh, Jeez. You know, the more of these I do, I just sit here and I go, man, have we got it good now. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think we realize how good we have it. No, that's, that is right. Eh? It was in. Well, there was so much more so there, I think, in Wayne's. Um, play where he lived too because uh, there was a lot of midwifery like and and uh, doctors would get a call and they would go in the in the um, in that bombardier out to a, oh, to, a, to a pregnant lady who was delivering a, a child and then quite often they didn't get there and the and the midwife would be there before like, and so in this in this one two-room house with nine people sleeping in one room if there was a baby coming let's say it's your <laughs> seventh sibling everybody's on the opposite side and they're delivering a baby on the one side yeah they usually took uh well if they could there was a i remember there was a took it up to the dad took uh see that when the last one was born i think 
Dale, I think he was born in a hospital. Yeah, well, so was Marlene, I'm Marlene, pretty sure. Maybe. Yeah. But uh, like myself and my brother. And your two sisters. Two sisters were born right at uh, at home, was it? I guess. In Wishart. Huh? In Wishart, maybe? No, no, no. Right at uh, just on a farmyard, eh? Like we. Uh, no, but in at, at the farm in Wishart, because that was before you moved to, well, to where was, you are. It was just a little ways from where we yeah. were, eh? not okay. that far, eh? But. They got, uh, they were you, a midwife or whatever. Did you ever ask your parents about that? <laughs> no. I should have. Well, I think we talked about it, but, you know, like them <laughs> never never took it serious enough. They, the big thing, I guess, we lived in. I, I tell you what, in them, some of them winters, like I was born in April, but there were some born in, uh, you know, earlier, cold, whatever. Mum. Had to ride, well, I don't know, this gal that we used to go to, she was a midwife or what do they call them, kind of a nurse or whatever. She would, uh, we'd take it up there and she'd stay and dad would come back home with the horses and whatever and wagon box. Eh? And then when the baby was born, and didn't want to be too long at all, in the, on the road, eh? Yeah. But, yeah. What did, you, what did your parents do for work growing up? Uh, well, Dad came out of Toronto when he was just a young kid. Eh? He was, well, I should show you that picture. I got a picture back there of him. He uh, was, uh, he lived right beside the, the old Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens. And when he came out here, he was only probably five or six years old with his parents, eh? And uh, then they he, they farmed all their life. They eh? they come out here and broke land and did whatever and yeah. But isn't that something come from Toronto? And then a lot of them couldn't hack it hardly because of uh, you know living in Toronto and <laughs> that that is your father. Yeah, That's Wayne's dad. Yeah, and that's, that's an outfit that I think he had. In Toronto, eh? When he yeah. But that's how old he was, I guess, when they come out or whatever, eh? So, but, uh, yeah, it was a big uh, difference in the countries, eh? Absolutely. You know, they used to, I guess they came by train, eh? I know they used to stop in Punichai. And some of them Easterners, were, they'd get off the train and they were scared because of the, there was a lot of natives hanging around the, you know, uh, the trains, eh, and stuff like that. <laughs> but I don't know how long it took to come from there. I never, it'd be nice, but we uh, left it too long. Both are gone now, the parents. Yeah. Yeah, my parents were both, dad was born uh, North Battleford and, and my mom. Um, North Battleford as well, and both came like they were raised here. Um, so there, that's a little different story there. They didn't travel; they were kind of pioneers here. My dad's family, uh, his mum was a Hoskins, and the the whole village of Glasslin is um, originally they. I think there were six Hoskin brothers and one sister that had homesteads around here. And the name of Glasslin is named from the place where they came from in Wales. In Wales. When they moved from Wales, yeah. And my 
my dad was actually, my grandma was expecting my dad. She was pregnant when she made the trip across the Atlantic from Wales to to Halifax to uh, can you imagine, uh, Montreal. Can you yeah. imagine that? Yeah, and she survived that trip and then the trip out here, yeah. And then getting dumped off, you know, like, or not dumped off, but I guess going <laughs> to a place that there's nothing there hardly. Yeah. I remember that first house we had was a dinger too, that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, what, what did, Wayne, you only graduated with grade nine, correct? Yeah. And it's part of your grade 10. Uh, I guess part of the grade 10. And Barb, yeah. did you go all the way to grade 12? I have my grade 12. And then I was, uh, when I met Wayne, I was going to, aspiring to be a nurse, as Lana said, but. So ended that, up being a secretary instead. Well, and that's that, that's <clears throat> the years that's the years I'm interested in. After you get out of school, did you both end up in Saskatoon, or was there something between there? You obviously are a few years older. Yeah, I uh, after school, I tried my luck at. Uh, I thought I I liked baseball, eh? And uh, I played baseball in Punichai for two years when I was going there to high school. Loved it was good at it, I thought, hey, you know, and everything. So I said, I'm going to uh, check out Notre Dame, eh, just to see. So I went down there with another friend of mine, and he stayed on, or lasted there. <laughs> my resume was put into the, into the fire pretty quick because of my marks, eh. I, you had to have certain marks, and uh, father there, he wouldn't uh, have anything to do with that, eh, so. He threw the old thing into the garbage and So what did you do? I come home. And my brother or my buddy stayed there and I think he spent a couple of years there and uh in Notre Dame. At what point in all this do you end up going out to Manitoba? Because you end up going to Thompson, Manitoba to work in a nickel mine, don't you? Yeah. That was when I came back from Notre Dame, my dad Bought me a ticket to, well, we had to go to Melville. Uh, I think you probably know where Melville is. Eh? Yeah, yeah. And got on the train there and went to La Paz, Manitoba, because we had to stop in La Paz to get a medical. And my buddy that was with me, he did not pass his medical because he had his thumb missing. And they turned him back. So here I'm on this train going to Thompson by myself, eh? Well, not by myself, but there's other people there, but, but the yeah, only alone. ones I knew. Yeah, I get what you mean. And, uh, yeah, they give you a strict medical there, like if you had any cuts or bruises or whatever, eh? You know, they wouldn't take you, eh? And my dad, he bought the ticket for me and gave me 50 bucks. <laughs> That's all I had at the time to go up there and wait for uh, the first uh, payday. And I never did cash a check there. You know, that 50 bucks lasted me the whole time I was there. And I was there for probably three quarters of a year, eh? you know, or somewhere in there. I forget the months or whatever. Eh? I was so glad I used to uh, cry myself to sleep at nights. I think, you know, just a young kid. And uh, How old were you? I think it was about 18 probably, uh, just turned 18, eh? You know, you get turned out there. Holy man, this 
nickel mine. Didn't he give you a watch and then it got stolen? Oh yeah, my watch. He gave me a watch and uh, these, we were all in a tent at one time when I first went up. There'd be about eight or 10 of us in this tent, eh? And uh, yeah, it was some cold nights there too. And these guys would get drink and I was too young. To, I couldn't get in a bar or anything, eh? And it was supposed to be a dry camp, but these guys would go and bring it uh, into camp and they punch holes in the tents and whatever else. And I said, that's just about it. You had a number to go to eat at this. I should still remember the name of that, Crawley McCrackers. That was the name of the kitchen. <laughs> and uh, oh, they used to get into fights there. And uh, it was quite a time in this thing. Eh? So I don't know, you know, in Thompson, now it's, what is it? I don't know, 60,000 people or whatever it is. Maybe not that big, but at that time, it was only 400 people eh, in Thompson. And uh, it was going like crazy, but it was a, a good job. I went right through the whole, I tried it underground, but you had to be certain weight to get underground. Uh, I think it was 150 pounds, and I was not 150 pounds then, eh? Why did you have to be a certain weight? I, I guess for lifting and stuff like that, I don't know what the deal was. Or that's just a rule they had, I guess. So anyway, they sent me up and went to the refinery, which was a smelter, I guess. Eh? And that was a dirty job. Eh? Like it was hot in there. and So I lasted there. And the turnover in the mines at that time where I went from where they put me and went right to the top, eh? just about in probably six months, you know, running a forklift, which is good, eh? you know, yeah. like and stuff like that. So, but it was no place. To, it was uh, quite the place, eh? and really. But I, uh, what, what, what was it about Thompson, Manitoba? Was that like seen as like big opportunity? Yeah, and uh, I don't even know. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day, and I, I don't know where that all come from because uh, Dad, he got the ticket, so maybe he knew that I wasn't going to make it where I was coming from, from <laughs> down there, so he had to have something there going when he got Because there, there was no, uh, no, like it just had to do something, eh, because there was too many on the farm and only half, a half section of land that's not very much land eh? what were you what were both your options back 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 then you think of kids these days uh myself included and i'm not that far removed uh when i graduated i just had brothers coming back from touring the world and um you know i ended up going and playing hockey across in ontario and and doing that kind of thing back when you both graduated high school what were your options did you have you know like you both end up at one point in Saskatoon, I believe that's how you met. Yeah. Um, what were the options? Was there an opportunity to go south, north, west? Uh, not very much. You know, like uh, when I got my first job, when I came back, was they were building a, a high school in Panachai, and I worked it as a bricklayer, eh? So I went, and I stuck with them for probably uh, – 
four years, maybe three, four years, eh? And uh, you 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 took any job that there was, because uh, I always told the boys in the water and sewer business, when you had a shovel in your hand, don't drop it because there's somebody picking it, going to pick it up, eh? You haven't got a job like theirs. Young people were looking for work, but it was hard to get a job. But uh, but I, I worked for a bricklayer, and I was apprenticing as a bricklayer. But it they never usually didn't work in the winter time or late fall. You know, you were laid off and came home. That's one place we worked at the steel plant. This guy got uh, Hank Hensred. Uh, he was the owner of this bricklaying plant, and he got the steel plant in Regina. So we went to work there, and there was a lot of people that were working with us that couldn't understand English or anything, eh? And now I'm mixing mud for all these, I don't know how many bricklayers, I think there was at one time 17 or 18, I'd be you know, batching up mud. And if I didn't have nothing to do, I'd be picking these blocks up, you know, them cinder blocks? Yeah. And the guy, I said, you got it? Yeah. He got it, and he'd reach down and take it off the prongs, like there were two prongs. Take it off. And then he hollers back, and I looked up, and this block hit me right on the head. <laughs> so that sent me for a loop. I was off work for I don't know how long. The old boss thought I was dead. I was kicking a, like a chicken kick, eh, you know? <laughs> and you cut his head off. <laughs> but, oh, man, I always had a sore neck for I don't know how long. So that was kind of... That was the end of your bricklaying. Well, yeah, that was... But... Uh, what did you guys... What did you both think of Saskatoon? Like, had you been there? Was that something you'd gone to before? How did you... How do you end up in Saskatoon? Well, I can tell you about Saskatoon. I had never been to Saskatoon in my life until... I was in grade 11, and I, mom and I had milked cows and sold cream, and she paid for my piano lessons. So I went to Saskatoon on the bus to write my piano examination. And so I had never, never even seen Saskatoon before that. I stayed with my sister's sister-in-law overnight, and I guess they took, I don't remember, but I think they took me to where I had to take my my exam. test yeah. and then back again but honestly that was my my experience with Saskatoon and so when I graduated from grade 12 and went to Saskatoon into university like I was like a duck out of water for sure at least dumb little kid from small town Saskatchewan and never been well I'd been to Battleford a few times but only for dental appointments or dad took me to a baseball game once when the beavers were playing baseball and I think I maybe a dozen times I'd been in North Battleford before I ever went to Saskatoon. So it was it was a eye-opening experience for sure. You know, you, you mentioned being a duck out of water. What's one of the things that was a learning lesson you didn't didn't you'd never seen it before or had no clue about the big city life and and sticks out in your mind? Well, I don't know if it was because I was the youngest in the family and and uh I don't know, I found school pretty easy, probably didn't work as hard as I should, but going to university, now that was was quite the eye-opener because you you had to be independent, and I guess I wasn't, and you had to be disciplined, and I guess I wasn't there either because I didn't do my classes very well, 
so anyway, that's why I then ended up going into uh, secretarial school, uh, business school. Yeah, me, I was, like, I uh, was in Saskatoon quite a bit because I worked with a, after I came back from Thompson, there was a guy, a contractor, that was working right at Mom and Dad's doing a grid road. So do give a couple days, and I was trotting over there to see if we get a job. My brother was working with him, running Pushcat, eh? It's a cat behind scrapers, eh? So I uh, went over and got a job with them, running scraper and pushcat, whatever, because my brother, he wasn't going anywhere, and I, it didn't matter to me. I wanted to get out and go away. So I worked with them guys. It, the name of the company was Saskatoon Contractors, and they were originally right out of Saskatoon. So I... Uh, got working with him and uh, it was, uh, I worked for them for five years. And we were doing a job in Hayward in Saskatchewan and they went bankrupt. Well, I never got half of my uh, overtime hours. I never got, my mom, I said, mom, I'll give you this here, uh, the amount that it is and if you can get it, you got it, eh? But she never did end up getting it. It was some money that they owed me from um, yeah. back pay and all this stuff. And, and I did, uh, I run Scraper for them for, I don't know how many, I, I, well, I was, we were talking, I think it was five years that I was with them. And, and that's when we quit them in the fall or I got laid off and they were pretty well done anyway. And uh, I said, I'm going to Saskatoon and... Uh, so I went up there and hooked up with Rand's construction out of. And that was a very good turn of events. Yes. That, uh, well, I always said that uh, Joe Rand's, the guy that owned it, was my uh, second dad, eh? Like he treated me uh, very good. And I did a lot of, he, you know, I did a lot of stuff for him. Uh, we, uh, oh, I don't know, we, uh, we got along good, and he was a great guy, eh? So uh, I ended up working for him for 23 years, eh? And then that was in Lloyd. And even in Lloyd, I worked for him. They got a contract in Lloyd, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a good move. What's maybe one of the things when you talk about him that he taught you uh, working under him for that many years? Oh, he just, you know, I went from a hole operator, one of the biggest machines that were around at that time in Saskatoon. We did a lot of work in Saskatoon, and uh, I guess, I don't know, like, uh, I wasn't a guy that didn't show up for work. I, uh, well, you, in them days, you didn't, you know, if you didn't show up for work, you were, that was it. And I think he taught me how to be responsible of, you know, my job and whatever else, you know. And uh, we ended up being the best of friends, I guess. And that was just from walking into a place. And uh, But he gave me the chance, and he, he knew that I wanted to uh, work, eh, so. And uh, I they were a company that went all, they went all over Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta and BC. 
and they used to bid jobs all the time, all all you know, all over the place. Yeah. And I was one of the guys that always seemed to be on the that ticket, eh? So So you got to travel all over Yeah, we were in uh La Paul, Manitoba, we were in Russell, Manitoba. Oh, and then uh PA, uh Moose Jaw, you know, big places in Saskatchewan. And did a lot of work in Saskatchewan, mostly, you know, being local. Did a lot of work right in Saskatoon. Yeah. And then uh, we one day he told me, he says, uh, Wayne, we got some work in BC. I guess you are the guy. So I went out there and looked after the jobs for him. And uh, we were in Creston, Revelstoke, I don't know, a bunch Prince of places. George. Prince George. Uh, Living in a hotel, or did you have yeah, a... Yeah, we were a hotel, and Barb used to come there when the kids were small, Lana and, Ken, and Tanya. They used to sleep on the back of the old car we had in the, on the, by the window, eh? You know, they'd crawl up there and you go You talk sleep. about um, memories. Um, that would have been in uh, June of 1971, I think. Um, we packed up everything that we had that we could put in the in the car like of belong like our clothes and and everything that would would keep us going for the summer we left my mom and dad's house here at six o'clock in the morning and drove all the way to print north of prince george to a place called summit lake with lana and tanya in the vehicle Pa- like we had so much stuff packed in there they slept up in the back window of our car like Wayne said I, mean, I remember we were going through the mountains and we had um, a flat tire well here we are with the flat tire we've got all this stuff in the trunk and we're and taking half the car half oh. the stuff in the car out to find the jack and the tire and oh yay but after being on the road for all that day tired two little kids and we came upon a guy well he passed us on the road in BC, they're not that, like it was probably two or three hours from Prince George. He passed us going so fast. And then we came upon this same guy who had smashed his vehicle and there was nothing left of him. The vehicle was all in parts on the road and it's kind of starting to rain a little bit and, and we're tired and we see this and Wayne went and looked at him, and, he, and there was nothing left of the guy. And of course, like I'm just well, still in a state of at shock. The time, but that you know, like. But anyway, yeah. there was another guy coming, so we we just kept going, and we ended up at Summit Lake. At this, at that time, we lived in a little trailer. That summer, there was a little trailer there that at the, the park or whatever at Summit Lake. And it rained for the first two weeks we were there. I thought that I was probably not going to make it. Like, I was just like, here I am, little farm girl from Saskatchewan with these two little girls, and I'm up in this this place at Summit Lake, a half a mile from where he was, because they were working right in Prince George. So every morning he'd go into Prince George and work and left me at that lake. But it ended up being probably a good, a good experience, a growing experience for us. Um, and the crew, the other girls, we had you know, had fun because we all lived there and the guys would come home at night and we'd swim in the lake and whatever. And But I remember how devastating it was to just like take off and, and be gone so far away from from oh. everything that I was familiar with at the age of 22, I guess I might have been then. Yeah. Yeah, her mom was 
out there. Mom was crying. I crying. was crying. <laughs> Holy jeez. Yeah. You guys have been married now 52. 52 years. I want to get into the Lloyd and the construction and all that stuff. But 52 years is 52 years. That's impressive. It's yeah, it's uh, nowadays anyway, it's uh, it's quite a length of time, isn't it? It's I think at any point it's yeah. quite a length of time. 52 years is impressive. And the fun thing about doing this is I get to meet a lot of couples that have been married 52 years. It's kind of, you know, it seems to be a testament to whether it's your generation or maybe just people that are viewed as community pillars have values that are that allow couples to be together for for such a time well i think that was instilled in us though as as we were like my parents i know that there were times maybe that it wasn't like a hundred percent but like they were always it was like if i wanted to go somewhere i had to ask dad like mom wouldn't just give me the the permission to go and do something or whatever like it was a that was our family was built on on those kind of like you didn't just yeah, take off you had to you had to answer to somebody or whatever and and I think Wayne's was the same way and we've tried to raise our kids the same way like you you don't just fly off and go do something you have you have to to justify what you're doing and you have to be uh, well committed or conscious of what you're doing you know do you remember the first time you two met <laughs> that's a crazy question <laughs> i was boarding in a boarding house in saskatoon going to university the lady that was in the same boarding house worked in a dry cleaning shop with wayne's landlady and the lady that i was living with was getting married so Wayne's landlady took her for drinks. I was not old enough to be going anywhere for drinks, but to the Windsor Hotel in Saskatoon. And Wayne came in there, and of course he came over and talked to, to his, his uh, landlady, and they introduced us, and here we are. He swept you off your feet yeah, that quick? I guess quick? so. Yeah. That must have been that pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, we were married within well a couple of years. A couple of years, I guess. Uh, yeah, that, that was, was in 1966, and yeah, we were married in '68. And yeah, end of story. What what uh, what wisdom? And maybe you've already talked a little bit about it over a, a span of 52 years. Can you impart on on couples? On on people that are in maybe year one, or maybe they're thinking about getting married, or maybe they're in year 18. Is there anything that sticks out of being, you've seen a lot, raised five kids, yeah, and, dealt with a lot. You know, when the money wasn't there, it, you know, when I first started in construction, it was, I was getting 90 cents an hour, I think it was. 90 cents an hour? 90 cents an hour. I was figuring it out, you know, for eight, we only wake, work eight hours a day. You know, that's not very much money, is it? We uh, we started off in a very small house on 2nd Avenue in, in Saskatoon, and I remember paying $90 a month for for the rent. And and we had uh, one of Wayne's, the guys that worked with Wayne, was, was a, like he lived at our place too. So here we are, another two-bedroom two house story with, with uh, Lana and and us in the one bedroom and Ken and his buddy in the other and 
that you could throw a stone from from the one end of the house to the other. I'm like if the house was as long as from here out to the other side of my car, it was uh, yeah, it was not a very big place. So small beginnings, but there again, I, you uh, you did what you had to do. We we had a paycheck every two weeks. You got your groceries and yeah, but I was always there was always enough that I didn't need to work. So I was always home and that worked out pretty good for when he was traveling on, on all the jobs that he did end up going on because somebody has to be the, the person that stays home and, and kind of yeah, the, when the, the stabling, stabilizing figure or whatever. The school was, uh, like when Lana was in going to school, we had to get, Somebody had to stay home, so Barb, she stayed home with Tanya, and then you had Tanya and Bart. And Bart, yeah. Well, Bart arrived in 73, and Lana went to school in 73, so there was no no me chasing him around B.C., Alberta, wherever after that, so. Yeah, once we were in, when we were in B.C. there, we finished them jobs up, and then we came back to Saskatoon, because Barb had, uh, the kids had to go to school, eh? So, or Lana had to go to school, so. Well, and then that was when you did, there was a, more work right in Saskatoon. Um, and then, like you say, northern Saskatchewan, whatever, we kind of had that that stabilizing thing and in Saskatoon. What? But then it ended up that Lloydminster started booming. And we got a job. We bid a job in Lloydminster with Rands. And they got it, eh? So I went. I was there in 19, that was in 1975. That's where we, uh, when we started, and that was with Rand's construction, yeah, eh? And uh, so we, uh, I stayed, uh, I used to come just on back on weekends, eh, for, I don't know, it had to be, what, two, maybe two? No, 75, 76, 77, and then we moved in 70, March so of So three years, I just moved back and forth from Saskatoon, because we had built a brand new house in Saskatoon, or had through Karen's homes. And we never got uh, to get in it much. We had to move out. <laughs> so when we went to Lloyd, like we built or got the house and uh, we, what would we build it? No, we didn't build the house in Lloyd. No, when it was built. For the listeners, I'm getting a fill up of coffee and uh, Barb being a great host. <laughs> So we went back to Lloyd. What was your what was your first before you guys moved? What was your first thought? You bid the job, you get the job. Now you're moving there and back and forth. What was your first thoughts of moving in, um coming into Lloyd? What was Lloyd like when you first rolled well, in in 75? Really? It was kind of a a deal we liked pretty good. Got to know the engineering company, you know, the enge- city engineers and whatever else and it was good. Eh? The only thing, uh, we did a lot of work with ASL paving and uh, stuff like that. They had moved in about the same time and a few guys, but it was. Uh, well, they're writing notes back and forth yeah. now. Well, I was just saying, wasn't, I think in, in 75 when you first started, wasn't Lloydminster only about 9,000 people or was it even then? Yeah, I think it says in that one. In, of the, the, in the book, it says between nine and ten thousand people. Yeah. So it was. Per, I mean, comparatively, now you're at thirty. Yeah. 
35 maybe 30 yeah it might have dropped it, i don't know whether it has dropped it probably has from where it was in yeah. uh, a few years there when it was booming eh yeah i notice it now we go in there it seems like they're in the traffic's less and whatever else but uh well i remember when we first we stayed that little motel that's on the east side of saskatoon we went there to look at a house in, in Saskatoon. This in, is in Lloyd. I mean. Oh, okay. Um, we went there to look at a house in, around Christmas time of of '77, um, and that's when there were these three. Um, that's all we could like three houses available. There, that was what it was like in Lloyd. Yeah, there was just like because we wanted, <laughs> we kind of wanted in in the area and and a new home or whatever. But there wasn't very much in Lloyd on on the Alberta side. We wanted to be on the Alberta side. So where we ended up buying was on 41st Street, which is where our grandson Keegan is is living now. So and that's where we were from the time we went in moved in in '78 in March and. Yeah, the house is still there. How much? How much did that house cost you back then? Do you remember? Can you can you I, remember that figure? I think it was seventy five thousand dollars. Yeah, it was. I was going to say eighty, but uh, I think it was yeah in that range, seventy five or eighty thousand. How hard? Now I, I asked this as a parent, and we were talking about it before we started, but how hard was it to move your two daughters at the time to Lloyd Minster? Because you were saying they would have been ten, eleven years old, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, and Tanya was in, uh, well, let's see, 78. She was eight. So she was in grade three. Grade three, grade two. She wouldn't know she turned eight when we after we got there. So she was only in grade two, I believe. And where the the, the old Winston Churchill School that is, has just been right. yeah. demolished there, that's where she went to school. But... The school system was a little bit different, like from moving from the, the Saskatoon to, to Lloyd. The, the classes, like the teachings were a bit different and whatever. I remember she, and the, for the first couple of years with, with math and, and things, we, we had to work pretty hard and she had to catch up on some things. Lana seemed to adjust better. And then, of course, Bart didn't start school till that that fall when we were there so it was all he was brand new going to a new place but I, I remember that Tanya struggled a little bit with with that kind of thing and oh, like I said me. she really wanted to play ball so uh, got together with some people that I met through curling or whatever early in in the time when we were there and and we got a little team together and they were called the Rans Racers I remember <laughs> these little t-shirts that they had <laughs> but yeah, it uh, it was an, an adjustment for the girls, I think, a bit. Yeah, and they just moved out of a nice, like they just got settled in a nice little home in, and in Saskatoon. Saskatoon. And yeah. And so then, which leads me to my next question is, what was it about Lloyd Minster then? Because you, 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 Wayne, you've been pretty much from Manitoba all across Saskatchewan to BC. Barb, you're right along with that for a big chunk. But what cements it? about Lloyd Minster for the yeah. next huge chunk of your lives that you're like, this is home. Yeah. Well, I think we are probably the work was there. Like it, uh, when we moved in, uh, when we got that job, we finished that job that year. And then we did a few more. We went to Tabor and a few other places and bid another job and got it in, in Lloyd. Eh? 
And uh, from there on, they were looking for a contractor that, uh, and you know what, they liked our work, I think, uh, that we did. And uh, so we said, this is it. And the guy gets tired of... Uh, bouncing around. Bouncing around, you know, like... Uh, Especially with children, I would, oh, I would man, suspect. We used to go up north. Like, we did a lot of work in the north, like in Laloche and Beauval, uh, okay. Isle of Cross. And then the uh, latter part, we... So it was a lot of work in the north. And we used to go up there three weeks at a time. And uh, no phones. Half the, There was phones up there, but the wall phones, eh? But half the time they weren't there when you went to use them, eh? You know, it... Uh, Pretty soon it works on a guy, eh? you know, especially with the kids at home and Ma yeah. at home. and Missing everybody, yeah. being disconnected. Yeah, so, yeah, and uh, you never knew when I was coming home, and it, it was starting to work on a guy, yeah. I can tell you a story early in Tanya's life about Wayne coming home. This is when she was just a baby in, in still back in Saskatoon, and he was working in the paw. Well, he decided to grow a beard that summer that he was working in Nepal. He came home one weekend, and she didn't know who he was. She screamed at him the whole weekend that he was home. Louis said, maybe you should not be <laughs> growing a beard. <laughs> but that's how, like, he was gone for three weeks. Yeah. And she was only, what, five, it's six a lifetime in a young, young yeah. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, I think it was a, a couple of weeks or three weeks after that, I figured I'd soften them up. I'd bring them a Christmas tree from up north. Hey, you remember that tree? I got... Charlie Brown. Back to Saskatoon, there wasn't a needle on it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> All the way from the paw. Beautiful tree when I took off, but uh, wind day, you know. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a haul to get back from there. Here I was going to build on the girls, you know. I know uh, moving to Lloyd, yeah, definitely was, uh, well, like Wayne said, Mr. Rands treated us like his kids and gave gave Wayne every opportunity. And obviously Wayne, I guess, did well enough that uh, that, that worked out. But Lloyd was, uh, was like starting to boom and there were so many, we had so many friends, like we curled and I we golfed and... Bart played hockey and the girls figure skated and Tanya played her ball and they had music and, and everything was all yeah and things financially we were like starting to get on our feet and you could afford to do some of these things yeah. so I think those those things all all fit into it being a, a great experience and, and like the friends that we've built over the years working in Lloyd and being in Lloyd we've uh, We've had some wonderful friendships that we've developed and, and kept to this day. So Curious. Over those first, call it 10, 15 years of living in Lloyd, I just think of uh, some of the things that have been built lately, and I always go to sports because I'm, I'm a hockey guy. But So the multiplex, when it was built, was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Now the vault uh, for indoor ball and that kind of thing was a big deal. What was a big deal when you first, you know, you got nine, ten thousand people living in Lloyd, what was the first building back then when it got built? Or maybe it was a baseball diamond. I'm not sure. But was there a community project back then that, you know, I, I can't even think. Maybe. Golf course. Oh, yeah. Like the golf course went to 18 holes in 83. And we did a lot of the work there. 
Like we, uh, uh, that was 83, 84. 83 it started, I think, yeah, it, it took a while. And uh, matter of fact, we did all the, all the ponds, you know, that they're yeah. there today. We dug them all out and. Uh, Which is a gorgeous golf course. Yeah, it is, yeah. And uh, we did all that and that was one of the biggest projects that we, well, we donated most of our time, eh, and uh, machinery. To building the golf course. Yeah, to expand it to eight from nine to eighteen holes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then that, uh, like the well, the golf people appreciated that because we were uh, Wayne and and Merv and Don all were given um, lifetime memberships to the course. I was just gonna say that'd be an incentive enough for you, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll yeah. donate everything. I mm -hmm. just give me a lifetime membership. Here you yeah, go. Yeah, they did. They yeah, had for the wives cool. and uh, and the two partners that I ended up with in. Uh, Merv Krause and Don Herzog, their uh, Don's wife and Merv's wife, they give them a membership too. Yeah, they were the partners that ended up being with when we moved from Rands, when we bought Rands out to Rustway. So well, I, and that's a, that's a nice little spot there. What what pushes you over the hump? To, I'm assuming, Miss, like what pushes you to buy Rands out? Well, you know, we thought about that. That was, uh, uh, at first of all, Barb and I had Russway. And uh, the amount of work that we were going to do, we needed some help in the office and people that would get out, eh? You know, it was too much for one guy to handle, eh? I was, when I was with Rands there, I was looking after sometimes up to 40 people, eh? And we had three crews going, four crews going in the good times. And I'm looking after all this of ordering pipe and blah, 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 and whatever else, eh, you know? So we said, you know, like uh, maybe we should buy it out. And Joe, he was, Joe Rands, he was ready to retire. He was going to retire. He was going to keep Saskatoon yet and just let the branch office so we could have the branch office, which was a good deal because he... We had a bunch of work on hand with Rand, say, and he just let us continue on, eh? You know, like he yep. was. Oh, you'll never find a better guy uh, on something like that. Like that's what I said. He treated me like I, uh, the second dad. I called him all the time, and he was. You worked there a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, like, how many years did you work for Rand? Uh, twenty-two or twenty-three. Twenty-three years, I think it was. Yeah. Like th that's, that's a career in itself. Yeah, yes. And you know what? I went all over the place for him, and like them jobs in BC, yeah. and uh, well, it just sounds like it was a very, uh, very good relationship. The way you guys talk about him is a very, very good relationship. Yeah. To me, once you're living in Lloyd and you're a branch of Rands, and he's he's gone, you know. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah, and that's and, kind of what it was. Like he helped us with our when we purchased our house in Lloyd. Um, it was $75,000, but we, um, like if good, good, uh, year and there was a bonus at Christmas time, like we paid, I think we paid it off in three or four years, just lump sums from, from the money that they had made with their jobs and the, so we never had this 20 year mortgage or whatever, like, um, everybody does anymore, yeah, no you know, and, uh, yeah, so those, all those breaks were, yeah. Oh, I it, was, worked, it was good for us. Yeah, you worked hard and you got rewarded for it. Yeah, that's 
you know, like, and I, and he appreciated that, eh? you know, like, there was uh, one, two, three, I think there was three Rands all together, but the other two of them never showed up and uh, uh, with the company, the very seldom ever see him. It was just mostly Joe and uh, he'd come out and look things over and buy a few pop for us, eh, and stuff like that, eh? Buy us supper. His, so we, it, we looked forward to his uh, his visits to Lloyd because we always got to go out for supper. In those days, it was, uh, oh, what is it now? The Tropical Inn, but what was it a long time ago? The Wayside Inn? No, beside the Wayside Inn. But anyway, there we always used I to I don't get, know. It used to be, what did it used to be? Now we, you got me curious. Oh God, I can't remember, but we used to go, I remember great experience going up and going upstairs into that dining room up above there and and having our ribs and steak or whatever we would have but i can't remember the name of the place now but anyway it uh those those were there was a good lots of good times when when he would come and he always he'd grab lana and tanya he knew them better and he'd sit them on her knee and <laughs> and tease them and yeah why the name Rusway? Well, I tried, like, uh, I wanted to get it registered in Alberta and Saskatchewan, eh? And now you got to go through a legal deal, like, to get this name, make sure nobody else has got it, eh? I tried two or three names before that and uh, couldn't get it, eh? So I tried, uh, I took my... First name, W-A-Y, and my last name, R-U-S-A, and tried that, boom, it worked, eh? so uh, we registered it in Saskatchewan and Alberta, so that's why I, uh, I guess, named it that, eh? so, but uh, yeah, it was good. And, and Russ Way comes from your name then? Yeah, yeah. Did you have a, a second pick, or was it always Rustway? No, it was something else. I had it. I figured if we get bounced again, because we got bounced out of there two or three times, that you know it has to be that. Uh, what was it? I forget what we. Well, had. you were gonna try Bargerway too, like for Bart, Jared, and Wayne. He was gonna try that one time too, but that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> How about running a business? You've ran a business now. Since '86, then you've been, you've owned Rustway Construction. Yeah, and you know before that, it kind of, when you're running the jobs where we were going, uh, you know it was, uh, I got used to uh, you know bidding jobs and it was under Rands, but yeah, no, we had we ended up with two good guys like Merv Kraus. I don't know whether you know Merv, them guys. Okay. And uh, Don Herzog came as partners in 86. That's when we had Rusway, eh? Yeah. And uh, like Barb and I had it before, so Barb gave up her shares and whatever else, and we kind of booted her out, eh, in other words. Eh? But <laughs> the work was so amount, you need somebody in the office, you need somebody looking yeah. after these jobs, you know, going bang. And I was doing a lot of that, but you can't, uh, it, uh, you know, it don't work. Eh? Uh, like we were, in the first few years there, we were carting a lot of men around, you know, like a... Like well, and it, it really helped that Merv was, when Wayne um, brought him over to Rustway, he was already um, 
an assistant engineer or whatever with the city of Lloyd. So yeah. like he knew the the workings or whatever and, and plus and he had the the office kind of like the doing all the the bidding and all that kind of stuff the paperwork kind of thing like he kind of liked doing that Wayne preferred to be out and Donnie had a lot of water and sewer experience from Saskatoon and yeah, like he, he preferred to be out too okay. he didn't want to be out in the or in the stuck in the office either so so it worked out good that Merv was the office manager kind of so yeah we ended up I guess in the 90s there, we went to Black Lake, Stony Rapids. We took all the equipment in that we needed for the jobs from Fort McMurray, barged them to Stony Rapids, eh, out of Fort McMurray, eh? And uh, all the pipe and everything else for them jobs came by barge, eh? And uh, we ended up being there for, I think, six years altogether between the two jobs stony rapids and we got black lake first we were a little bitter on that and then we ended up getting stony rapids eh and they were only 13 miles apart there eh? so so that was the two biggest jobs that we uh you know they were uh good jobs and uh but there was a lot of who made you think sometimes when you get all this you know paying for First thing about ours, we got to pay for the material first, and before we even get it into the ground, eh? You know, and uh, and then the equipment, eh? You know, and going across, and the risk you had of going across Lake Athabasca, wasn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. right across Lake Athabasca. One time, our one of our loads got uh, cut loose from the barge, like you got one main barge, and then you tie them, yeah, different on, eh? Okay. We're going across, and uh, I guess. None of us would, could go on it for insurance-wise, eh? But anyway, uh, this Andy Frame from Fort McMurray, he was doing the... said, Wayne, Jesus, got the... And he woke up and there's one barge loose, and he says, we just let her float. It's on the southern shores of Lake Athabasca right now. <laughs> A little bit off the tour, but they went and got it after, eh? Yeah. What about your winter road experience? You had oh, the yeah, the winter road. And then the following, uh, well, the next time we went into Stony, we went out of uh, Points North. And they built a winter road now. They call it a winter road, but they use a summer road, too. The natives come out of there for bingo eh, in in uh, Prince Albert or wherever they go, Saskatoon. Eh? But they were taking this uh, winter road and going, and... Uh, uh, it was quite an experience going on that road, I'll tell you. We had two hoes, two big hoes, and uh, I forget, it was about five or six semis right all together, eh? But uh, we slept one night in the, the woods up there, uh, and uh, it was a two-day deal from Stony. I got stuck with the hose on, and oh, Jesus, it, some of those little bridges that you had to go across and they were hardly clearing the tracks because we were wider than what the bridge was, eh? Yeah. Yeah, one morning, I was sleeping. I, I was a pilot car. I uh, woke up, something holding my head back, and here I was leaning up against the window and uh, my hair froze right to the... I shut the truck off because the diesel, <laughs> diesel running in, uh, you know, like a lot of the trucks... It was coming in the, in the air intake. So what the heck's going on here? And here my hair was froze right to the windshield. Eh? <laughs> Coyotes. 
wolves and everything else up there. But that, that was a long trip, and that was for the Stony Rapids job, eh? But I can't stop thinking about this. You buy out and become Rustway Construction in 1986. The more I think about this, the 80s are notorious for being this terrible time. Interest, interest rates through the roof and all the other stuff that goes along with it. Actually, I've had a couple of local guys on. Uh, Spiro Kokonis was one that comes to mind, Larry Olenek, talking about the 80s being this dark, devastating time. Did you guys not have that same experience? No, because we had work in Lloyd. And, you know, there was some... It wasn't the greatest because of... Uh, that's why we moved to Stony Rapids or had that big job up there and Black Lake. Yeah. In the, that was in the 90s only. I think we got that job in Black Lake in 91. That was the tough years in Lloyd too, eh? We ended up in Fort McMurray. I was up running a job in Fort McMurray. Don was over in Black Lake. So we were spread out pretty good there for a while. And uh, But uh, Fort McMurray was... We had a bunch of work there, water replacement, eh, and stuff, eh? So we were up there most of the summer, but rain, oh, my. It just... Wouldn't stop raining? No, it wouldn't stop raining, eh? You know, the, the river attracts it, I guess, eh? You know, in Fort Murray there where you come... I said, oh, then we'd say, well, we better go home. If you're staying here, we go home, and about 20 miles south of Fort Murray, the sun is shining, eh? But it's you, that. you went through that same thing when he was working in Lloyd before when I was still living in Saskatoon with the kids. And he'd come to Lloyd to work, and they'd get rained out. So he'd get home for about three days, and then he'd go <laughs> go back to, to Lloyd again and work another few days. And then the same story as happens to Lloyd now. We still, every once in a while, you get those blasts where water and sewer contracting work is not, not very good in those times. Well, you know, with the uh, you need the compaction and in the trenches, and if your dirt yeah. gets wet, and oh, you got to dry the dirt. And yeah, but we go ahead. I was just gonna say, going back to this '80s thing, and maybe I'm sticking on something that isn't there. I just the '80s. People talk about what we're going through now, and when they look back, they talk about World War II and the '80s. Oh yeah, as being tough times. And earlier, Barb was talking about you guys getting your house paid off real fast. Did that help in the 80s? Or were the 80s, you just you found ways to have work and that uh, allowed you to get through that time unscathed, so to speak? Yeah, I think we did a lot of moving. Like we were in uh, Red Deer. Tabor. Tabor. No, Tabor was earlier. Earlier. Red Deer is one of the jobs. Fort Murray, you know. And uh, so we kind of went out. Uh, we did a lot of uh, work right, right around Lloyd even, eh? You know, like we've got some jobs, worked there. So it wasn't the best of times, but it was, we pulled through it better than... Uh, a, lot of, a lot of companies. Yeah. Well, I just, it, it, look at today and you look around Lloyd and how many uh, shops are closing up and how many people are going out of business or selling or, you know, it's dire times it feels like yeah, yeah it's, it is it's, it's, tough. It's, a, it's a long time eh? like you know it has been like some of that stuff we went through in the 80s uh wasn't as i didn't think it was as tough as it is now eh? you know like it didn't last that long eh? but 
there was some tough times. We uh, had to go through, but we always, when we went to Black Lake in the 90s and Stony Rapids, we went in there and uh, we had to go. We had to get some work, eh? Yeah. But it, it's tough work up there. We had to blast all our, our every trench that we dug in uh, Black Lake had to be blasted, eh? You uh, get an engineer there to stake out the elevations and whatever, and you go later up, boy. And uh, but that was tough work, eh? Uh, tough on the equipment. I could, when I was, we were working in Black Lake, no, in Stony. I could hear the hose going that twelve miles. I could hear him banging on rocks, eh? You know, the poor. Like the first time we took, we didn't bring the hose out even. They were bashed up so bad. We sold them right there, eh? Out of when we got when you got done, yeah, just left them. They like the uh, uh, local boys, yeah. Like, you know, there's guys that yeah. we now you got like Black Lake never had any water and sewer, uh, Stony never had any water and sewer, so now you got maintenance, say, and stuff like that. You'll run into like that intake we're putting in there, you know, like in the river. And that's a fast flowing river, that one at Stony, eh. Yeah, them old guys in there, they had rope. We had rope around them so they wouldn't leave us, eh, in the river, eh, the skin divers, eh? The, the guys diving in. You're, you're talking about putting in a water intake at the river. Yeah. And having to have scuba guys go in. Yeah. And tying them off so they don't get sucked away by the river. Yeah. Like, it moves fast, boy. Yeah. I know we used to go fishing in it after we got the intake in. And it was not deep. Eh? You had hip waders on. But uh, holy man, that water boy, you turn some certain angles, certain angles and oh. You know, how many, how many, 86, well, that's 34 years I can do the math on that. Duh, I was born in 86, <laughs> geez. Um, what have you, you know, you're not actively running Rustway anymore. No. What's one of the lessons that you went listen guys this is something you got to know in business was there something you passed on i'm assuming you passed on many a thing oh yeah there was a few things and i think you gotta take it by uh well day by day but you have to put the coveralls on once in a while too eh i tell my son-in-laws and son that eh you know it just doesn't come that easy sometimes eh you know and some of the guys out in the field need a, need uh, help, eh? You know, that's running the jobs and stuff, eh? But uh, like when I was there, running the thing, I was I went all the time, kind of a circle, eh? Like Merv was a good guy in the office. Don, I didn't have to do much with him because he was a partner. But uh, you know, the other guys needed, you know, if they needed help, I order material, whatever else, eh? And I. Oh, six o'clock in the morning, I was, uh, oh, I should tell you about this experience I had uh, in Lloyd. We are doing a big job on 49th, you know, where the tracks and the old co-op building there? Yeah. We were coming up 49th. I'm looking to see if I can drop this uh, load of pipe, the pipe we're coming in, big concrete pipe. Okay. So I had to get it off just right on 49th. We had 49th closed down between 50th 
no, between uh, 52nd and and 50th, I guess, 51st. So anyway, I'm looking there. I never even, never heard the train whistle or nothing. And all of a sudden, boom. You got hit by the train? Train, yeah. This wall hit me right behind my ear, eh? The big knuckle on the train, eh? And uh, it shot, it sheared my truck right off from the, oh, from the frame, like, eh? I'm looking. I asked one, oh, Ted Gustafson, he was a fire chief and the, the, his office was just up the road there a little ways, eh? On the east side of the road, eh? He come trotting over there, <laughs> you know, Ted, big guy. I said, Ted, slow down. We don't want you to die here, eh? But, uh, yeah, never, never seen it, eh? That's all, you know, concentrating on where to put this pipe. A couple of my buddies were behind me. Monty Armstrong says, Wayne, if I would have had a chain or something to throw around your truck, I would have pulled you out of there, eh? But it wasn't a fast-moving train. It was a, they were, they were moving their, you know, cars, and it was local guys, eh, that were, that hit me. But that was big enough. Holy jive. It shot my truck over onto the next track. And I went into the rear view mirror, broke that off. And wow. I was, I was saying, what, what are them tools doing there in the street down by the co-op? That's yeah. where they came out of my toolbox. <laughs> well, Dad's brother, uh, older brother Tommy, was killed in Lloyd by a train. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And so you know, it's just you think of all the safety. I mean, there's uh, you go in the rural parts of Canada, uh, you can find unmarked spots where you got to pay attention where they don't have flashing lights. But you think now in Lloyd, I mean, anywhere that comes to mind right now, they got big arms, they got flashing lights, they got absolutely everything to, but that's crazy that you were hit by a train. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, like we had, just wasn't paying attention. That's all, you know, like uh, more worried about where am I going to put this pipe, eh? Because it's yeah. tight in there, eh? With the tracks. And we were, what happened? We were tunneling the tracks too, eh? We go underneath with a get a big boral machine in that like this pipe was about a I don't know, it had to be a fifty four inch or more, eh? Concrete pipe. So we need a little room for that, eh? And just wasn't paying attention and lucky. If it would have hit a little further up on the on my door, I might not have been here. You know, you guys you guys have been in Lloyd a long time. Why and have been actively involved in the community for a long time. Why have they never put an underpass, an overpass, a something pass over that railway track? Oh, yeah. That, you know, when we first come to town, like that space out there by the uh, the upgrader, or not the upgrader, the rapeseed plant. Eh? Okay, yeah. You know, there's a space in yeah. there that they were going to do something there. And, but, uh, like, Vermillion got that. Yeah, and, got an overpass. Nice little overpass. There's a lot of traffic on that. No, they shut 55th. Yeah, the the crossing, yeah, they've got it blocked off, so you can't go no, uh, where West End Girls to used go, to be. Yeah, that's right. You have to go all the way down to 50th or on 62nd, <coughs> the truck route. Eh? Yeah, I don't know what the holdup, whether it's, uh, boy, it's bad for us. Like, we used to try to erase that thing, and 
train coming here and we were working down over there we tried to get it <laughs> well i think everybody does right yeah if you live in lloyd for a year you realize that oh jesus yeah it's and then you get tied up there you like you know you're just yeah. just raring to go because of the boys wanted some <laughs> especially you know we need pipe and whatever else hey eh? helps with the road rage that's yeah. right but anyway uh yeah it slowed me down for a while anyway you guys have been, uh, I was saying, active, active in the community, uh, volunteered a lot. Um, just what was it? Was that something right from the beginning that you always did? Was that something you actively pursued? Uh, whether it was donating money, donating equipment, time. Yeah, it's, yeah, we did a, and I think a guy, you know, we were, taking the money out of Lloyd, I think you got to do something for, uh, that's what I get on the town council right now. I said, you know, boys, uh, a lot of these guys, got other contractors coming in, now it's tight, eh? And the boys are suffering the way it is now, eh? And uh, I said, you got to uh, look after the local contractors too, eh, you know? And the city over the years have been pretty good with us, but the... I don't know. We've done a lot of, a uh, lot of, uh, what do you call it? Advertising, I guess, and and uh, sponsorship. Yeah. Through the years, like we, well, like the Bobcats, eh? Well, well, let's talk about the Bobcats. What was it, you know, for most of us? I mean, if they're younger than me, they don't remember, but used to be the Lloyd Minster Junior A Blazers, and before that, the Lancers. But the Blazers in 2005, you guys take over, buy the team, uh, have the competition for the name, and, and they become what is now known as the Bobcats. And, you know, what was it about the Bobcats that you were like, you know what, we need to we need to do this? Oh, yeah. I, you know, like the size of Lloyd really needs a, something like that, a junior hockey team, I think. And at the time, they were going to lose it uh, to, I think it was somebody out of Leduc was going to buy it, eh? I, I remember Whitecourt. Am White I wrong court. on that? Yeah, there was one. Whitecourt, too. But. Yeah, there was Leduc, too, at first. And then we stepped in, and then the guy in Leduc kind of backed off, and then it was Whitecourt. Because he's still a little mad at me yet. For he uh, He's a pretty wealthy oil guy out in Whitecourt, eh? Okay. And White Card didn't have a team at that time. So anyway, we bought the team and uh, tried to get it going. But, you know, the guy's busy in construction and whatever else going on. And we've, uh, when we took over, we didn't even have a coach until about, I think it was about 10 days before the season started, eh? So you know how that works. Yeah. And... Uh, we got, uh, who the heck was our first? Norm coach? Johnstone. Norm Johnstone. And he was uh, old type coach. Good guy. I liked him, but he had a pretty hard temper on him. Eh? I don't know what all happened in the dressing rooms, but uh, <laughs> he uh, did a lot of uh, coaching in Balliford, and he won a lot in Balliford too, eh? in the league, or in the West, or in the division there. But... It was uh, 
it was a good experience, but uh, we just spent, you know, we couldn't get it off the, you know, you have to sell a, a lot of tickets, you know, $10 a ticket to make this thing go. Some of our budgets say, holy man, we're around 700000 eh? So we lost a lot of money and donated a lot of money to the deal there. But what was it, what was maybe one of the, the the fondest moments of owning the Bobcats in town? Oh, I just you know we uh, I guess that we saved the hockey team, eh? Yeah. And uh, we won a playoff. Only one playoff we won the first or uh, first uh, game. First round, yeah. First round was in Grand Prairie. Yeah, that would be a highlight for sure. We uh, had a quite a quite a few. We had a, some good followers when they got when we got into the playoffs, but uh, we didn't make the playoffs. Or you know, like uh, Lloyd is a funny town that way. I think every town is like that, though. Yeah, but you do need the support for the, and I think they're having trouble right now. Yeah, well, they're playing at a kid, Scotty, right now. No. Yeah. So, I don't know what the... Like, a, you know, an owner can only... You can only lose so much money in before you get a little growly, eh? <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, Most that's right. of us are growly when we lose 20 bucks on the... The Oilers not pulling off a win. Yeah. Oh, that's another case. Oh, yeah. Don't go there. We, well, you guys were season ticket holders for a long... You know what? Oh. We were probably the longest, just about one of the longest season ticket holders in uh, Edmonton. And that was the 19... We had our first set in uh, 1981 or something. I think so, yeah. And we had them till last year. And, w- and what finally... What What was it then? Well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we went to a lot of hockey games. We had some good. We seen Gretzky. We seen you know the Currys and all them guys. And there was some good hockey when Gretzky was there, and uh, we just enjoyed it. But that trip to Edmonton every, you know, like uh, you go in the snow and you blizzards and whatever else, mm-hmm. eh? It gets kind of tiresome after a while. But got to know. Some of the Oilers real good, like uh, Kevin Lowe and and a few of the guys there, Craig McTavish, and uh, but they just—I don't know whether they relied too much on these older guys to pull them out or what happened there, eh? You know, but they just couldn't get anybody to run the ship, and yeah. Was that a tough conversation? To finally say, I think we're done with the season tickets? Yeah, we're done. I think Bart had a a bit of trouble uh, because he, Bart went to a lot of games because he and Laurie and Nevin like enjoyed going and and like for them it was, Nevin doesn't play uh, team sports in the winter. So, but like Tanya has has Darby playing hockey and Shelby Lana's Shelby was playing hockey and so a lot of the times when there was a hockey game to go to in Edmonton um, they were busy with their own and so Bart went to a lot of the games in the last couple of years but it like it got to the point when the Oilers weren't winning like you 
you couldn't even give the tickets away, never mind selling somebody a block of tickets to, to help you pay for those. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of you know. waste of tickets or couldn't. And we went through that twice with the Oilers, the last time and the time before there. I don't know what year it was, but they had a downfall there too. Eh? But I think now, if you want to go to the Edmonton Oilers, and if they do come, well, they'll come back if the economy comes back at all. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be tough uh, to getting the, the people back again, eh? For us right now, though, like you, you turn on your TV and you can watch any game. Like, oh, 100%. Yeah, and so <laughs> and like for old-timers the- like us, like Wayne, when they were in the playoffs the last time, he left here at... I don't know, in the morning. He met the kids in, in Edmonton or in Lloyd and went on to this playoff game and the silly old fool came and got back here at three o'clock in the morning. Like and this is since cancer, since he was sick. And like you sit here and you worry sick. I said, Just stay in Lloyd. Oh no God, there at three o'clock in the morning he arrives back here like Yeah. yeah. But you know, we did have a lot of good hockey come out of there one time. But, uh, yeah, I just don't know what's going to happen to him. I was just checking through my notes because I, I'm a guy. I said this before at the start. I uh, don't know where the rabbit hole is going to lead us, and we've had a very – it's been a very healthy dialogue here. But I just ran across something that I wanted to make sure I asked about because Lana kind of fed me a few things, and, and one of them is going back to the Lloyd community. Community unrest with the union strike in the 1980s, getting death threats and rocks thrown at the house windows in 1982. Yeah, it was a, it was kind of a nasty uh, deal there. And uh, like we were, we did all the work fixing the leaks and you just can't let, uh, but they were turning hydrants on and, you know, and stuff. But uh, I guess most of the guys are, gone from there now but it was a a pretty nasty uh i'm unfamiliar could you give me the general of what was going on in 1982 what what was the oh i just uh i think wages and stuff like that they they were so cupy went on strike or i think we were doing some of the work too eh you know like and they didn't like that too much eh you know like Who, who didn't like that the employees of the city, like oh. we, the union, the unionized people of yeah. the city of Lloyd. Yeah, but uh, we're still doing the work yet. You know, like we uh, we do all the maintenance on the water sewer in Lloyd yet. Yeah, the boys are doing that. But at that time, oh, you get a group of people that uh, need one or two that kind of. What did you think the first time a rock went through your window? Like, yeah. certainly you weren't like, oh, well, that's... Yeah, that was at the house, eh? Yeah, or? right in our living room window. But And, like, you know, it's here we are with these little kids that we had at that time, and and uh, and then all of a sudden this is, this is happening, and you get a phone call. Well, if you don't stay out of our job, yeah. like, you know, better watch out here. And, like, goodness, that's, that's a, a scary situation for, for sure. So what did you do? 
Well, I think we reported it to some of the the head guys in the city or whatever, like the mayor and uh, yeah. I don't even know who were the mayor. Or what they, we went through a couple of them strikes. Well, though, Russ we? Robertson would have been the mayor then, I would, I'm thinking. But, you know, like... <coughs> you put a baseball bat beside the, the bat? Or? <laughs> yeah. Well, it made, it made, yeah, it, it made for nervous because then you're nervous about the kids going to school. Like, what if some yeah. of these fools decide that they're going to well, do something with one of your kids? Well, something. especially, like, little girls. And, you know, you, you worry about little girls more than you especially do the boys. Especially when they, uh, you get that uh, going, uh, they, people get pretty silly sometimes. Yeah. Be like the states, eh? You know, like, uh, man, that's. But good thing it was not bad. Yeah, we went through a couple of them there. But you just can't leave the city, can you? Like, well, that's what Wayne said. Like, you know, they said, no, well, don't fix the water break. Well, what are you going to do? Like, if it's one of their houses that has a water break and they've got no water, I'm sure they might change their mind a little bit. But yeah. How about, how about uh, you ran a cable excavator? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ran that... Uh, cable excavator for 14 somewhere like 14 years eh that was in saskatoon and here and here no i didn't run it well a little bit here not much we we retired it we had it on a hill over there and uh finally sold it to uh to a guy that wanted it for a crane eh? but yeah that was different Boy, you worked when you worked uh, eight to ten hours or ten or twelve hours on them, boy. I used to come home at night and turn the TV up as loud as you could go and still couldn't hear it. In them <laughs> days, we had no hearing protection. And, oh, <laughs> that hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... But one of the... You know what? When I first started, that would be with uh, Rands in 64... That was one of the bigger machinery, the machines in the city of Saskatoon and probably in the province, like, you know. And uh, it was a uh, squealing old baby. Eh? <coughs> I said the harder you pulled on it, the harder it would dig, eh? <laughs> Left his wedding ring on the tracks of the Sid machine in Outlook two days after our wedding when he was greasing Ooh, the machine. You haven't, she hasn't forgotten <laughs> that one. <laughs> oh, she did. I think she did until I went to when we were in Summit Lake. <laughs> we are going for a swim. And I had greased the machine that night and stuff. And uh, I uh, I guess the wedding ring got pretty slippery like that. Eh? <laughs> I went down there and, oh, no, where's my wedding ring? So that was the second one. <laughs> and now we've had my ring stolen out of here. Bought another one. So they got no luck with the wedding rings. You had you you had it stolen out of here. Yeah, yeah. we uh, had a break in here once and buggers. When we in. were in Maui in uh, 2018, February. We had a break in and stole my jewelry box and and uh, a few other things. Yeah, we're a little stupid leaving that stuff there, but uh, never expected that. I have them on camera too. Eh? Uh, yeah, I got the cameras all set up. And uh, having not a sniff. They said, "Well, cops." They say, "Well, just you know, put it through insurance." Say, eh? but if you keep putting this insurance all the time, where is it going to go? Eh, you know. But 
I know they got a tough job, but gee. We, uh, yeah, I yeah, guess that's minor compared to somebody shooting somebody or whatever. But. Yeah. When you look back at uh, your lives, we'll start, we'll go with Barb first. Well, whoever hops in first, maybe. What is, what is, what do you think your biggest achievement is when you look back? Like, what sticks out? I I would have to say for me, uh, a mother and a, and uh, just like enjoying the my life I've had as being a mom of five wonderful children. Um, I I look back and and uh, and I think we have a lot to be grateful for and and I think maybe uh, take some credit for for raising some really very wonderful people who have become adults and now have their own their own kids they're raising. That that would be one of my biggest satisfactions in life, I think. And how much fun is it being a grandma? Well, that's, yeah, that really, uh, yeah. Grandpa can even atone to how much fun <laughs> that the, being the grandparent is 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 for sure. Yeah, them, uh, watching them kids grow up is uh, something, eh? Now we enjoy it more than what, you know, I never spent much time with the kids, eh? Our kids, eh? Yeah. You know, is always out working, and uh, so now I got lots of time, and they come over here fishing, and uh, and the girls on like the girls coming on the water in the summer, and like playing cards with when they come for Christmas or whatever. Well, hopefully this COVID bloody thing goes over so that we can enjoy that kind of thing again here yeah. soon. But when we all get together and they get all around the table here and they're playing games and and things that uh, it warms your heart for sure and then we've have like I'm I'm very much into music and we've got a few that are are interested in that too and and uh, so it's fun to listen to them play and sing and we get up yeah. and do the jig at Christmas time <laughs> Barb's mom she was quite that she get the fiddle going a cigarette hanging out of her mouth and running that old fiddle boy she could get her going pretty good how about you, Wayne? When you look back over what you've done, amassed, worked through, what's maybe the biggest achievement you've had? Well, I guess biggest achievement. Uh, or most memorable achievement? Yeah. Like what sticks out? Well, you know, like it's uh, that we were pretty successful in the business that we had. And that you have to be happy with that, eh? So, and what we accomplished there from... Starting out with one hoe to go in, I think we had the tops of uh, back hoes I'm talking about, uh, to 14 of them at one time I think we had. So, you know, and uh, the people that has worked with us, I guess, we've had some great employees and, and some of the guys are still working with the boys yet that, they, you know, they worked with us. They're going on 40 years, I guess, some of them. And uh, that's a great, great thing to uh, have people work that long with you. Your final one. If you could go back to your 20-year-old self and impart a piece of wisdom, not that you'd probably listen, but let's say you did, what piece of wisdom would you put back to your 20-year-old self? Mm. I don't... Don't marry a construction worker, I guess. Eh? <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of things I I wouldn't change, and I, and I I am of the belief that that these things that what happens happens for a reason. You like I probably if I knew now what I thought I knew then, or if I mean if I knew then what I I know now, I probably would have not tried to go to university to be a nurse. I probably would have gone right into hospital and training, and I'd probably be a nurse now. Like our our youngest daughter's a nurse, and and she shares stories. And and uh, Wayne with his battle with cancer the last few years. Like I, I think I think I could have been a good nurse had I had I done that. But the life that we've had, the great experiences we've had, the a couple of hardships like with Jared with his cancer in 80 and uh, now Bart with his health issues you uh, like we have a we've had worries but we've had a lot of good things and yeah I I don't know that I would change a whole lot I certainly I think would choose the same guy again who <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, quite a life, you know. And I would do the same thing in business and marriage, eh? You know, if you can be happy, I guess that's the main thing, and make a dollar once in a while and whatever, eh? But, you know. Well, I really, really appreciate you sitting down. This has been a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed yourselves because I – thoroughly enjoyed hearing about about um your lives and a time prior to my life that's for sure well i never did tell you about the gold hard hat did i you never did no <laughs> it's a good thing you remembered he got sharp as a tack yeah that's a good one yeah we're uh in the old days in saskatoon we were uh, unloading a semi of pipe eh and it was all by hand and rope we'd put a rope and then put a Two by or uh, two by ten or something up, you know, on two sides, and they were sitting on these pipe, sixteen-inch pipe. They were sitting on um, oh, uh, they were about four by six, eh? And then all of a sudden, we were unloading and let one down, and then you go up and hook another one up and let them roll them down. Two guys up there holding on to this pipe so they don't get away. But they never noticed the one pipe was rolling the the semi where he parked was a little bit uneven like eh and it come like these four by fours are sitting here are four by sixes and they were over about a little ways eh and this pipe rolled down and it lifted that four by four up and boom <laughs> it came down right on top of my head eh right on top you, you you've had a tough go with the old head haven't you <laughs> yeah took my ear off well, cut it there. Cut it there. Yeah. And uh, and the truck driver was there. And he was sat in there and that old thing, it missed him. Like one, like both, eh? Yeah. But it hit me dead on. It knocked the snot right out of me, eh? <laughs> so I ended up going to the hospital. And, uh, yeah, I had a couple bad experiences with that. But anyway, the the... Compensation board said, when you were wearing a hard hat, saved your life, eh? Yeah, because he did have a hard hat on, and it smashed the hard hat. And yeah, 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 yeah. 
And so that's why the, well, she drove why that the whole liner, you know, the liners inside. Yeah. Yeah. She drove that all up in there and then came down. Oof. And uh, God, I had a sore neck for a while. I couldn't, you know. <laughs> the second time he's had, second or third time he's had. Yeah. Yeah, the the, uh, so brick, then the, the brick on the head, the, yeah. the train, well, no, the gold hard hat and then the train wreck. Yeah. So so then you guys awarded the gold hard hat to you after that? They come down, yeah, right to the office in Saskatoon and brought this box in and shiny old and pulled it out the compensation board from Regina. Yeah. He said, if you wouldn't have had that on, you wouldn't be living today because it hit me square, boy, I'll tell you. And that, you know, a six by six, I guess, eh? Yeah. And it kind of like the wedge and that end came over to one that came over and it came, both of them went down, eh? Yeah. But we never had no cranes at that time either, eh? We used to unload that all by hand, eh? 16 inch AC, which is a asbestos pipe, eh? Yeah. And you could hardly lift one end of a 16 inch, eh? So, whew. Still sweat over that. <laughs> But that's how I got the hard hat. One final question then is Lana had mentioned uh, you have a story about taking the Bombardier across Cree Lake? Cree Lake, yeah. Oh, this is another good one. Yeah, that's... Uh, there was about... Uh, what was there? Three? Let's see, one, two, three of us in the Bombardier... And Don had the skidoo. Anyway, we went to uh, Beauvale. Never had the bombardier before we uh, took off. So we went in there, and there was a guy who had a bombardier for sale, or we were checking around. And so we bought the bombardier from this guy. Never checked nothing out. We headed up to uh, Key Cree Lake. No, Key Lake. That's at the mine there, eh? Okay. And right there, there's a... Some of the planes come in there. There's a strip there. Eh? So anyway, we unloaded the bombardier there, left the truck there and the trailer, and then took off for Crystal Lodge, which is right across Cree Lake. But it was in the middle of the night now, and it was cold. It was Easter time, I guess. March, right? end of March. So anyway, we... We're going along, and Don, he's out there. This Crystal Lodge guy, he had, they had plowed a road, but the road was not uh, visible anymore. It was drifted in, like, and whatever. And he's out there circling with the machine, eh? and he'd find it and then give us the blink, eh, or whatever, and we'd head there. And this bombardier, they're a pretty big machine, and uh, we had a tank of gas in the uh, barrel of gas in there for to make sure we had enough gas, eh? And and then we went to this, oh, we're going across the lake, and all of a sudden we find there's some people out here. They were stuck in the snow, eh? Natives. So we said, oh, I was, I was driving. I said, oh, no problem there. I'll drive over there and give my hand, see what's happening, eh? So we went over there, and they're stuck in flood water. So I stepped out, and holy God, it was right to my knees pretty well, this flood water, eh? No, we were stuck because we were pushing all this snow away. So we had to lay down. We had a 
couple of long-handed shovels and we had to dig it out eh, to get her to the bottom. Finally got her going and headed her over to Korea, which is, I don't know how far it'd be. I think it's about 60 miles across Cree Lake. Eh? It's a big lake. And there's so many bloody islands up there. Eh? One island, I think there's 663 islands on Cree Lake. So anyway, we finally ended up going. We never had a GPS. Uh, so we're going, got to, to the camp of Crystal Lodge, and there's nobody there now. Eh? But, so we checked the doors. There's one door open on camp there. Boy, we didn't take long to get a fire going. Now you're wet, you know, from driving. And the heater in that bombardier was, it's an old machine. I still got it up here. Eh? And uh, so that was quite an experience. And then we stayed there, fished for a while. Uh, I'm in, well, Russway was in partnership with uh, two or three guys in Lloyd, eh? Okay. Yeah, uh, the, the, we got a camp at Ingman Lake, and uh, Colrus Boys, Musgrave. Oh, I should have mentioned Musgrave, too, on all them sewer and water. Like, we did all their work on the sewer and water, too, and they were great with us, eh? And, uh, but anyway, we stayed uh, there, and we're heading back to... Crystal Lodge, or we wanted to get back to Crystal Lodge, but couldn't get a hold of the plane that took us in there from Buffalo Narrows. And now our phone is getting weak and whatever. And here we find out that she don't work on Easter Monday or Sunday it was or whatever. So we had to stay another night at Crystal Lodge. And oh, jeez. Yeah, and uh, the native boy said, white man, pretty silly. <laughs> so you got about nine or fifty lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had uh we took the girls on a when we were up at Black Lake, we came down the the river there uh to Thompson Lake. And it's I don't know how many miles, but oh man, there was Don and I uh we were the float plane dropped us off, and or uh, yeah, was it no? Jim dropped us off with our plane. We had our own plane, eh? And he dropped us off in uh, Black Lake, and then we got found the boat. The, the natives they took stole this boat on us and took it up the river or took it up in the winter time, eh? They take it out in the winter time. Yeah. So we got an old truck there to load her up on a truck and took us down to Black Lake, and then we threw her in the lake there and. Took off for the, up the, the hell of river is it? Hunter there? Creek or Hunter River or something in there? No, there's the main river. With the, I forget what the main river is. But anyway, we got a uh, couple days there. We had to uh, let the girls off. The girls come with us, eh? Don and Don's wife and Barb. And we had all this GPS day that we flew over with our plane and GPS the curves in the river. But... Uh, some were going along, and Christ said, Mark is supposed to be way up in the bush there. And, and, you know, from the plane, it's hard to... But uh, that's what the natives said. Crazy, crazy white man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys sitting and doing this. Uh, we've talked for well over two hours now, so... Is it? Yeah, it's oh. been fantastic. Appreciate, I appreciate all the stories and... Everything else, it's been really enjoyable. Well, that's good. Hey, folks, thanks again for joining us today. If you just stumble on the show and like what you hear, please click subscribe. 
Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time.